Welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal, showcasing stories from outstanding business people by BDO Canada. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Mike Newton of BDO. Mike, welcome back. Hey, Dan. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. Today on the program, another classic Montreal business. Definitely a lot of uh, compassion, a lot of environmentalism, and uh, and some strong values baked into Be Kind, which is a cosmetics company. They are cruelty-free, vegan. And uh, their founder, Marilyn Bouchard, will join us on the program today. And uh, that is on the way. We'll also talk about some basic uh, accounting and bookkeeping tips and have some suggestions from our expert, Juliana Papandrea, coming up later in the show. But first, as usual, uh, current events and uh, some chit-chat to begin, Mike. And let's start with a guest update, actually, because there are we've profiled a lot of really great companies that are um, in sort of the, the upcycling space. Uh, one that comes to mind is Loop Mission as well. They, they take leftover... Uh, fruits and veggies and make juice out of them and I just personally think they're delicious so I should do more guest updates and we'll, we'll tell you where some of our entrepreneurs have uh, uh, have landed over the last 15 years so Loop Mission another huge investment now uh, a few months ago from the government of Canada so they have a whole new factory in Boisbriand and they are expanding uh, we also had uh, another round of investment into Polystivert which is the uh, the styrofoam recycling company we weren't recycling styrofoam in quebec before uh, until very recently so a lot of great green tech companies and uh, i suppose marlene bouchard uh, could be considered one as well yeah it's and again it's great to see the uh the n- not just the uh, the positive creative energy that comes out of montreal-based companies but people actually investing and in, and and the rounds of financing that are coming in obviously that success is uh is phenomenal and and continues to bolster uh, our, our our quebec uh, startups and our quebec brains that uh, we need to be keeping Marilyn Bouchard started out in sciences. She learned how to do quality control in cosmetics and then said, oh, I can do it better. And so that's what the story is about uh, today. But first, news and notes. And Mike, we wanted to talk about a little bit of workplace mental health first and also just in terms of the, the different pressures in the public sector versus the private sector. And at this point, you know, we are possibly, you know, things are heating up politically in Canada for various reasons. Uh, there's a lot of money going out the door, and uh, consequently, I would say an increasing amount of pressure uh, in the public sector, that's, that's what I'm seeing anyway, uh, to account for some of those those COVID bucks. What, what's your impression about the kind of pressures we're facing as we hopefully get into the latter half, the latter part uh, of this pandemic, um, public versus private sectors? Well, first of all, I think the you know the, the whole discussion of public policy has lost its way. I mean, it, it, the whole goal of public policy, right, was supposed to be the response to some sort of issue or problem that requires attention, and it's just taken on a life of its own at this point, and and it's no longer serving its constituency in in many cases. So. Um, I think a lot of post-COVIDian narcissism and a lot of things is taken in. And if you look at, you know, the politics, certainly in the U.S. and and, and the the during and post-Trump era, uh, you know, it's no longer or it doesn't seem like anymore. It's about the, good, the greater good. It's about an individual good or, or a selective group of people. And, and, and I'm having a hard time with that. I, I just feel like where we've lost we've lost our way. And, and, and I think when you when you get into doing business in those environments, you're seeing the byproduct. I mean, obviously, the private sector still is driven by 
you know, what, what has traditionally driven business, I mean, capitalism to a certain degree, though, even that definition is evolving in terms of what profitability is. It's no longer just bottom line. But when you get into the public sector, I mean, you, what you're starting to see is this, everybody's afraid to make a decision. Nobody wants to be responsible for anything. Uh, it's one layer after another layer of bureaucracy. And it's almost like, let's see how far we can kick the can down the road. And I think anybody that's working in, in with, with, with businesses in the public sector is seeing a much harder time right now trying to just, just to get things done. And, you know, is that because people aren't all back to work yet and people are working remote? Is that post-COVID is that, I mean, I, I guess I could go on for about a whole bunch of reasons, but there's no doubt that it, it just continues to be ongoing drama. And let's be honest, a, a client service has suffered across the board and um, probably no more worse so than, than, than in the public sector. That's a great point. I was going to go there next, actually. You know, a lot of interactions that we're having with people in the public sector and private sector uh, seem to be more tense. People are stressed out. I think generally um, the, the effects of a looming recession may, may be trickling down. Does that feeling trickling down to the front lines of, of businesses at this point? Most definitely. I, I, I think, you know, we're sitting in a position where, uh, you know, we've got we've got post-COVID and no matter whatever we want to admit, there's definitely some PTSD that com comes from all of that. We're, we're in February, but the effects of January, uh, which are always difficult in Montreal, you know, when is, is going to is there. There's no doubt there's a seasonal affective disorder. There is politics looming. There's the economy. Look, we still got worries about the war in Ukraine. There's a lot of things going on and, and it's hard to find a lot of positivity. And there's no doubt that when you go and, and you start to deal um, with customer service, it's suffering and, and it, it's suffering badly. We're trying to look for signals from government about this probable, perhaps, Mike, a possible looming recession. And personally, I'm not seeing a lot of signals. We don't know uh, where the interest rates are going, at least in the short term. Um, you know, any, anything government can do to reassure us and the business community? Well, I think there's a transparency discussion here that, that, that that's a must. I, you know, I, I, I watched, uh, you know, a few times, it was a couple of weeks ago with, uh, with the, you know, Bank of Canada and their discussions. And, you know, we may see a recession and, you know, everybody doesn't really want to say it, doesn't want to admit. Uh, they don't want it happening on their watch. Um, and, you know, you go back to this whole discussion of politics and, and you know, the subsidies that came out of uh, out of COVID. I mean, all of a sudden now there's this massive sense of accountability and you can see every party pushing the other party to be accountable for the work that or the money that was was handed out. And, you know, you, you sit and you watch the politics and and I'm not sure that the um, shall we call it the uh, coalition between uh, the NDP and the liberals and all the things they want that they wanted to do together is really getting anywhere. I think they've accomplished one of maybe a list of seven or eight things that they wanted to. And, and just nobody seems to be working together. What would your advice be for heads of companies, organizations who are preparing now for a possible recession in the coming months? What, what are the, some of the first steps to make if you're in that role? Well, interestingly enough, you made the you made the statement of, you know, we're looking for government to tell us if you look in private industry, everybody's already bracing for it. Uh, you're already starting to see some major cuts at major businesses. You're already starting to see expense accounts being tightened. You're already starting to see uh, kind of uh, hunkering down as we go forward. So while the government doesn't want to uh, either call it by, uh, you know, let's say it, it was like my kids when they when they first started to date, dad, don't put a label on it. I don't think our government 
government wants to put a label on anything right now. And the reality is uh, business is, is already starting to see that. You're, you can see that. I mean, we've had some very large employers in the U.S. who have, who have already laid a huge amount of people off. And there's more to come. What are some of those early indicators? Uh, I know tech is laying off people a little bit, uh, but also one area to look at is uh, manufacturing and shipping as well, uh, which, which is slowing down a bit. Oh, yeah, it's definitely slowing down. What, what you saw before the holidays in, in a lot of the larger retailers, so the Walmarts of the world were uh, either uh, cutting down on the size of shipments, canceling shipments altogether. They used to postpone shipments that they would take later. Now they just canceled them flat out. So you're starting to see signs of negativity within the before Christmas. Uh, you know, with the with the interest rates, um, it's it's you know I, I think there's a lot of a lot of caution. Whether it's going to be warranted long term or not, I guess remains to be seen. Uh, and sometimes just the fact that we're preparing for it in and of itself leads starts to move us in the right direction. Best piece of advice in order uh, for for us all to prepare for what's ahead, Mike? What do you think? Uh, I, I think it's constantly this be aware and watch what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there is any silver bullet when it comes to going into a potential recession. I don't think there's a silver bullet that is you can put out there that's going to solve everybody's problems. Um, but I think that there's this that knowing your business, following your business, being active in the business. Um, you know, I, I, I think as times start to get a little bit tougher, we're going to see much more pressure from employers to bring staff back uh, physically into the office. Uh, we're already starting to see that. Um, you know, I want to see what you're doing for what I'm paying you for. And, and that is going to continue to be a, continue to be a challenge. I think you once told me double down uh, on what you're good at in, in these kinds of times. 100%. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, uh, I, I always go with the old theory, well, everybody sells buy and well, everybody buys sells. And, and, and the one thing I can say is, as we start to go into, you know, the, 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 the negativity mode is look for opportunities, you know, look for things uh, that other people have stopped doing because they fear what's coming, or they're trying to hunker down on budgets, and see if there's a way that you can increase. Don't lose track of what you do well. But keep your eyes open for opportunities. I mean, you look in the history of, you know, those families that have made money over and over and over again, we're sitting and looking at opportunities when when the economies were not as strong as, as we want them to be. But you have to be able to be prepared to take risk, but you've got to make sure that you stick to your basics. And let's get right to our guest. She is the founder of Be Kind. They make vegan and cruelty-free cosmetics. Marilyn Bouchard joins us. Marilyn, welcome to CJAD. Hi, thank you. So first, quickly, please define your business for us. Yeah, Be Kind is a skincare brand. Um, everything is plant-based and cruelty-free, as you mentioned. We do not use um, animal byproducts in our products. We don't test on animals. Um, we also give back to an animal shelter in Quebec, 2% of our sales, not profit, but sales. Um and we also have uh, nail polishes that are also plant-based. That's very rare. Um, so yeah, and we use sustainable packaging. Everything we do, we calculate our impact on the environment. So we really take care of this too. So when you get into the products and and you know the the, the discussion of plant-based or vegan and sustainability, um, you know maybe maybe take that a little bit deeper for the listeners in terms of understanding what that means and 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 the testing and and how you develop and how you do your research. Yeah, um, so definitely, if you don't use um, harsh 
ingredients you don't need to test on animals usually it's because the product is not safe so you you have to test it on animals but what we have is very um it's very soft for the skin and there's nothing harsh um and for the packaging um all well almost all of our packaging is made in quebec so our boxes for our products are shipping boxes and we have certifications um we also use for our plastic, uh, ocean-bound plastic. So that's our tubes and bottles. Ocean-bound plastic, I think we are the first that use this in Canada. I think that's what our supplier told us. But it's basically plastic uh, that's been uh, collected on shores, on like where there are red flags. So um, yeah, so it's basically like water bottles, toys from kids that play in the sound that we use and then melt it and then use it for packaging. So that's very, it's it's very creative. It's very cool. I love that we have that. Um, and we also have a store in Montreal and we have refills available, bulk available. So almost all of our products, uh, you can get it without packaging. Yeah, I think the, the move in a lot of uh, cosmetics and, and pharmaceuticals is to this replenishing and refilling uh, a bottle or, you know, in, in terms of I mean, you see it in hotels now where, you know, you get a big bottle of shampoo as opposed to a little one that gets updated. Um, this this movement obviously continues to try and cut down on the waste and everything, everything associated with it. Are all your products made here in Quebec as well? Um, almost. Okay. Almost. We do have accessories. Uh, that are well in bamboo, so obviously not here. We have a new travel case for your bars because when you travel, you bring your bars with you, which is very useful because it, it since it's not liquid, it's not going to leak in your in your baggages. So that's when, you, when you're nice. when you're talking bars, you're talking bar of soap. You're not talking yeah. about well, you're not talking about chocolate bar. I'm not talking okay. about chocolate bars, <laughs> uh, hair care bars, so shampoo bars, conditioner bars. And uh, we have a travel case for that, and it's made out of ocean-bound plastic, but this cannot be done in Canada. So there's a few things that we are unable to make it here because there's no manufacturing here, um, but like 80% of our things are made here. All, all the products are geared towards women at this point, right? There is no um, <clears throat> male products from Be Kind at this point? Well... I mean, we do have male um, customers, especially for the nail polish. Um, so, yeah, we can say that the image is girly. I don't like to say that, but yes. Mm -hmm. But we do have uh, men that use our products. It's it, it's interesting because it's certainly the 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 male. Uh... <clears throat> The, the male care products and, you know, whether you call it metrosexual or, you know, whatever the terminology somebody wants to use, which to me almost makes it a negative. Just you're trying, you're trying to label something and that, you know, people should be just happy to use a product to make them feel better or to do better. So there's, just, there's, there's negative, there's this negative uh, stigmatism associated with men using pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely, because I get this question a lot. The, are you going to have um, like a man collection? But I mean, we all have skin <laughs> and right. you just need the, the cream to put on your skin, regardless of the color of the jar, you know, or the packaging. So, no, I'm never going to have a man collection. Um, they can use all the products. We all have skin. Um, my friends use the like my male friends use the products. My boyfriend use the products. My dad. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's for everyone. I don't think that for a man to use a product, it has to be like black and like dark packaging. I, I support that as a man who exfoliates, I have to say. Um, but I thought you were going to say you support that as a man who wears nail polish. And and, and uh, by the way, I, I know a lot of guys that do, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's not. And uh, animals, uh, animal testing is also super important because for years I've wondered, you know, why do we have to go through this? I mean, as you said, Marilyn, you know, if it's potentially dangerous for an animal's face, you know, why are we putting it on, on our faces? Yeah, that's it. I don't even, and I like, to be honest, I don't even know why it's not illegal in Canada, animal testing. They tried to pass a um, a law, I think in 2018, but it, it didn't went through because all of Europe is, it's banned for animal testing. Um, so I don't know why it's not banned here. I don't get it. It's, it should be. <laughs> How did how did you get started in this? I mean, I think my uh, your education was in microbiology. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I did my bachelor and master's degree in microbiology, um, and then I worked in pharmaceuticals for about three four years, and I started kind while I was working. So I was doing my eight hour shift. And then I would go to my parents, do some cream, <laughs> reply to emails, do some social media posts. So crazy times. I, I don't know how I did it. I was in my 20s. So definitely I had the energy. <laughs> you know what? I think a lot of it comes down to passion at the end of the day, right? I mean, you clearly yeah. have a passion for what you're doing and it doesn't matter. The hours have a whole different different side if if you've got the passion to go there. So while you were working at the pharmaceuticals, I assume they were large pharmaceutical companies. Is what you were seeing and what you were living part of your inspiration to do something different? It was more about the lack of transparency in the beauty industry because I started Bikan in 2014 and back then animal testing, nobody was talking about it really. It was just Lush that was fighting animal testing. They're very known for that. They're pioneers. I love them. Um, but they were the only ones. <laughs> so it was hard to know the truth with the products that you you buy, you know. So this is why I started uh, Be Kind. Well, one of the reasons. Um, but working in pharmaceuticals, not really, because obviously the drugs has to be, they have to be tested on animals before um, humans. So I get it. So it's not the reason why, but obviously I'm very happy to have a company that do not test on animals. I think we've all seen it, but you probably see more of the, the whole discussion of transparency that you're talking about. Have you seen that just kind of explode within the marketplace in the last, uh, I mean, you started this, what, eight, nine years ago. So I'm sure yeah. since then it's, it's, it's a whole new perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah, it changed. Um, a lot of brands uh, are very transparent right now. It's, I love that. I think it's so important. You need to know what products you buy. It's not just the product, you know, it's everything that comes with it. Um, but I also feel like large companies, they're going to use this um, a little bit like greenwashing. <laughs> you mean as a, as, a mar as a marketing tool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see stuff sometimes we're like, mm, okay, <laughs> it's just for marketing. But definitely, I mean, there, when there's a trend, everyone's going to jump on the, on the trend. So what were some of the biggest challenges other than time and energy when you started this? What were some of the biggest challenges you faced? Um, one of the biggest was I was learning everything while I was doing it because, uh, like we talked about, my background is in science. 
So nothing in business, social media, marketing. I learned everything while doing it. So that was a challenge. Um, good thing that I can absorb a lot of information. Um, and I reached out to friends and companies to help me. So that helped a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's very hard when you start a company. It doesn't come with a book, you know, about shipping and social media and everything. So that was a big challenge and also money uh, because I'm, I wasn't a service company, but goods that you have to sell. So you need to buy the chars, the label, the ingredients. Uh, but since I was working, I could balance things, but I, I started with just 5,000 and that's it. I never went to the bank to borrow any money. I just had my 5,000 in bank and this is where it started. Are you still self-financed at this point? Yes. Very good. What kinds of products do you have uh, in the pipeline? And what's your R&D process like? You're a scientist. You have a science background. What, what do you got going in the lab uh, coming up next? Uh, so coming up next, we have uh, face scrubs and serums for the face. Uh, we don't have a lot of new products this year because we're very focusing on the products that we do have right now. Uh, the past three years have been a little weird. So we're just, we were focusing on having strong base and then go with the new products uh, for next year. And well, before the R&D was pretty much myself. <laughs> so I would search on the ingredients and everything and make the recipes. But right now we are working with a lab in Quebec. So um, usually how it works is when we choose the new products that we're going to launch, it's a product that we would use in our routine. So we try not to have like crazy products or just there um, to, to be sold, you know, like lip scrubs. I've never understood that, why it exists. So it's always products that we would use in our routine, in a minimalist routine. Always. If, if you don't get lip scrubs, <laughs> I can guarantee you I don't. So um, <laughs> one, one, one of the things and, and, and the interesting discussion, I guess, through all of this, and you, you brought the point up of, you know, the last three years have been interesting. Uh, I'm going to assume that that is a very subtle way of saying COVID's had an effect on the business, uh, how you've evolved, what you've done and how you've changed. Give us a little bit of a, an insight of, you know, the, the hardship, but also some of the pivots and some of the positive things that you've done uh, that, that basically have helped, to, helped your business evolve. There were both, really. It, it brought us some very negative stuff and very positive. I feel like the, the, the gain at the end of the day is positive, definitely. But when COVID started, you know, I had to obviously close the store um, and it opened a few months ago, so it was very sad. Um, and we didn't know it would be for so long. You know, I was I told my girls, oh, it's just going to be closed for two weeks. Don't worry. And then mm, not really. Um, and when the government told everyone to uh, help small business, we went from, I don't know, 20 orders a day to 200. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. From yesterday to today. <laughs> Did, did you do anything different in the exercise or is that just an evolution no. of the marketplace? No, it's just the government told everyone to uh, buy local and well, everyone listened. So 
that was crazy because I didn't have the stuff. I didn't have the boxes, the tape, and everything was out of stock. At some point, I remember there was like in during summer, I think 2020, I would wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning, try to find some stuff in my apartment that I could use uh, to fill the boxes for the orders because we didn't have craft paper anymore. There were no boxes at some point, no tape at some point. So me and my team were looking for stuff in our homes to bring to do shipping. It was crazy. It's funny. A lot, a lot of people complain they couldn't get access to product in the uh, in the supply chain. You're you are having trouble with with the the shipping supplies. Yeah, shipping supplies, but also our products. We were out of stock for so many products because, um, like you said, it was we were unable to find some ingredients, some bottles, or we have a small um, home good products, and it was out of stock for eight months because the bottles took a year to arrive it, it's crazy so that the product parts but also the shipping goods everything was out of stock so what about e-commerce so what lessons did you learn there about uh, how to ship stuff efficiently uh, in in very difficult circumstances oh i learned a lot that's the thing because we had to be very creative so we changed the way we used to work because it was you know before it was uh I was having my coffee and preparing orders. I was very fun and relaxed. And when it, it, it was 200, I was not the exact uh, vibe. Um, so yeah, we learned a lot about that. We were forced to. And what was crazy is we used to do shipping in the back store of the store. So everything was there. That was about 800 square feet. And then... In August 2020, so that was pretty quick, I had to rent a warehouse for 1,000 square feet. So I had to hire a team, uh, buy some shelves for the products. So it had to be done like this. So I learned a lot this that, that summer. That was crazy. Our, our team went from three people to 12 um, in a few months. So, um, yeah, it forces you to be creative. Definitely. How many people are you now? Uh, we are 18. That includes the store. Yeah, that includes the store. And we now have a warehouse of 17,000 square feet. So maybe, maybe give our audience a bit of an understanding of the regulatory approval or what needs to be done in order for your products to be used okay. on humans, right? I mean, we all kind of assume that you make a product, you sell it and it goes, but there's a little bit more to it than that from, from a regulation perspective. How, how, how have you navigated those waters and what exactly is required since a lot of this is sustainable and vegan slash plant-based? Yeah. So um, like I, I said before, we go for a product that we would use in our routine. So then I have this form with the lab that I work with about like, what do I want um, ingredients regarding the texture, fragrances, uh, what we want to have uh, as an effect on the skin. So we have a meeting with the team with R&D and then they, um, they work on a sample and then all the team tries it. So all of us, 18 people, we try it and then I get like, I really want the team to, to be involved in this. Um, and then, yeah, so we try it and then we, uh, we try to make the product perfect. Right. Try to yeah. Um, so yeah. And then 
we work very closely with the lab and they know that they cannot have any animal byproduct when they're not sure. Because sometimes, you know, it's the filter. There were some eggs involved or an en enzyme in, in the egg that was involved in the filter for this. So we don't use it. Um, so we are very thorough with that. And we have the Leaping Bunny certif certification. So they always look at our ingredients, how, how we work with who we work. Um, so yeah, it's basically my team and I that, uh, try the products. And then when everyone's on board, um, we go for it. And then the product has to go through three months of stability. So, uh, we want to know how it's gonna, um, like how the weather is going to affect the product. So we freeze and unfreeze the product, the samples, and then put them at 45 degrees. Uh, minus four for room temperatures. So we know how it's going to evolve in time and with temperature, like I said. And then when everything works perfectly, uh, we also test with the ocean bound because usually it's in ocean bound plastic because it, you know, sustainable uh, packaging options can be tricky sometimes because there's not a lot of um, data with uh, some ingredients. So we always have to test that to make sure that they're compatible. And what is very useful is when I used to work in pharmaceuticals, I was working with Health Canada, obviously, and I was working in quality assurance and quality control. So uh, that's very useful because with the lab, we speak the same language because that's what I was doing in pharmaceuticals. I was um, signing off on pills that could be uh, sell in Canada. That's what they do with our products. <laughs> So that's uh, very useful to speak the same language. And I know that uh, they're very good at what they do and the tests that they do. So um, this is the how the product starts and then we sell it. You've said Leaping Bunny Certification. Yeah. So uh, save everybody Googling that and explain it to us because it certainly got my attention. Yeah, so it's uh, a certification. It's from the U.S. And they make sure... You need to send a, a list of your suppliers of your products, and we you need to make a little audit with uh, your suppliers, and everybody has to sign and everything uh, that to make sure they don't uh, test on animals, um, and that the products are vegan, everything is cruelty free. So when you have the certification, uh, the customers are aware that. Uh, you really take care of this because you can say that you're vegan, but at some point you need a certification to prove it. I've seen a lot of uh, vegan, well, brands and advertising that they're vegan, but uh, they use bee wax, which is not vegan. So we have to be careful with that. It's easy to use words on your Instagram bio or on your website and not really know what you're talking about. So we don't have a lot of certification, but that one was very important to me so that people, you know, they obviously I, I think that they trust our words, but you need to prove it. I'm going to get all of, out of this, Dan. I'm going to get a lot. But the one I'm going to remember is the Leaping Bunny certification that 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 that's going to stick with me. So, you know, I am a guy. I'm not really good with the, with some of the products that Berlin's talking about, um, but I certainly know and, and, and respect the environment. And I have uh, a couple of uh, a couple of people at home that, uh, that that use a lot of those products. And Marjorie 
our uh, our producer beforehand uh, made the point that apparently in the fall, uh, sorry, the spring, that everybody looks forward to uh, the new colors and the new styles coming out of nail polish. So I wish I could share that excitement, Marjorie, but I'll let you run it for both of us. <laughs> And Marilyn Bouchard, thanks very much. We're going to have your one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs in just a few minutes. But first, time to check in with our expert from BDO Canada, a manager of accounting, Juliana Papandrea, who's here to deliver some very practical tips. Juliana, welcome back. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Mike, I'm so lucky, and a lot of entrepreneurs are so fortunate, if they're in a partnership as I am, to have a really, really amazing partner. Shout out Jessica, who's just so sharp at accounting. I don't even know. I can't even begin to imagine if this was my responsibility. So a uh, shout out to all the, the CFOs and the bookkeepers out there for keeping everyone on track. Dan, I've known you for a while. I know what it would be like if you didn't have her there. It wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> I, I don't, I can, I can fathom it. <laughs> Just, it's, 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 it, it would be entertaining, but maybe that, that, that's where it would end. So Juliana, let's, let's get in. I mean, we're, we're going to take a topic, which a lot of people are going to say is a little dry, right? It's bookkeeping. It's, it's not always <laughs> the sexiest component of, of what goes on. Um, but I think your points and, you know, and I had to chuckle that the very first one that you put on was, you know, be efficient and, uh, you know, which falls into, uh, you know, your points were five bookkeeping ticks to say organized. Yeah. Not something I am really good at the term organization. <laughs> so, uh, maybe I'll learn something while you go. So take it away, Juliana. Okay. So, uh, by be efficient, I meant like, um, well, first and foremost, you have to select the right accounting software for your business. Uh, and like I had mentioned in a previous segment, you know, cloud systems are really ideal. They allow you to link your banks and credit card statements. So this is where the efficiency comes in. You know, no need for manual bookkeeping entries. Um, another, you know, element is uh, you can store your documents in the system. So no need for paper documents anymore. So that's another factor. And of course, entering your transactions on a daily basis. This keeps your books up to date, keeps you better organized. And, you know, you stay informed of your financial position at all times. Yeah. Okay. So it really sounds like I got to be organized and I'm still trying to get my <laughs> head around all of this. Uh, you know, I'm listening to you talk and and I can see Dan uh, on, on video with me going, yeah, no, that's just, it's, just, it's not going to happen. So um, give us a couple of other ideas. I mean, what, what else are we looking at here in terms of, uh, of some of the do's from looking at, uh, at bookkeeping tips? So another problem we face uh, with uh, some of our clients is they don't use separate bank accounts. So we ask them, please use separate bank accounts for your personal uh, expenses and for your corporate expenses. So uh, because trying to, you know, decipher what personal expenses are uh, used uh, in a corporate bank account or credit card takes time. It's not efficient. Uh, so just separating the two is, is really the best way to go. If you have a company, just, you know, get corporate credit cards. It makes everyone's life uh, easier. Your accountant will love you for it. Perfect. And that's, you know, that that's a very important factor. I think, I think a lot of things from the bookkeeping side really have moved digital in the last you know few years, and it's probably one of the, the 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 biggest changes that's occurred. I mean, what are you looking at from from going digital? What are some of the uh, either the services or some of the directions that you're steering clients? 
So there are a lot of third-party apps out there that you could add on to your, you know, your software. Uh, they could import your sales invoices. Uh, they help automate the bookkeeping process uh, in general. You can use reminders and set, you know, automatic electronic payments to keep your payables up to date. Uh, and of course, accept online payments. This is a great tool and can help streamline your, your receivables as well. I see a lot of apps floating around lately for keeping track of kilometers, keeping track of, you know, when you're driving around, because obviously, you know, if you're, if you're going to use your car for business, you need to actually have a concrete side to keeping track of the numbers. I mean, we pushed for years to tell our clients to keep logs. Uh, most of them laughed at us. Uh, so now the digital side of things, I think they're, we're taking a lot of things that a lot of people weren't working with before and really move, move them forward by using some of these relatively simple digital apps. Um, Payroll. This is one of those areas, whether you've got one employee or 20 employees, how many people have you seen just blow things up trying to do payroll themselves? It, that's the thing. It's, you know, using a professional payroll service, it's worth the money you pay. You don't have to worry about uh, remitting your deductions at source or being late anymore. It's remitted with, you know, every pay period. Uh, of course, you know, you don't have to missing deadlines. Uh, so just, pays, just yeah. Give us a quick idea. I mean, let's say that you've got five or six employees. You said it's not that expensive. What kind of cost are you looking at? Well, you know, our setup fees and then maybe fees of maybe $50, $60, depending on how many uh, how many employees you have, what exact, you know, what exact services you want, because there are different services. You can have a platform where employees log on and and you know access their own documents versus you having to print or email or scan and send to them. So um, the fees can vary, but it's worth the money you're paying because if you have to have someone handling all this, it's going to cost a lot more. And even just records of employment that, you know, click of a button, just enter a few dates and it's good to go. It gets produced. It gets sent to Revenue Canada. You don't have to worry about it. Your vacation accruals are, are you know, uh, up to date and on track and being accrued every payroll. So you don't have to worry about what you owe your employees or if it's correct or not. Of course, you always should have, you know, your accountant look at it as well. Or if, you know, if you need guidance, it's always a good idea to speak to your accountant, but these tools are, are very easy to use. One missed payment justifies whatever you're paying in your monthly uh, service charges. Exactly. Juliana Papandrea, Manager of Accounting at BDO Canada. Thanks so much, Juliana. Thank you, Dan. And as we come to the end of our show, let's turn to our entrepreneur from Be Kind, the founder, Marilyn Bouchard, and ask her for her one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs, Marilyn. Um, my one piece of advice would be, and this is what I always say, don't ever be scared to ask for help uh, or to reach out to another entrepreneur. I get a lot of messages on my uh, personal Instagram account and I'm always happy uh, to chat with other um, owners of companies. I feel like we don't do it enough. And every time we, uh, we always end up having the same issues, the same um, like emotions and everything and anxiety. So I, I really hope that uh, people can reach out to other people and really talk about how they feel and everything about uh, the having a company because it's not always easy. Um, so yeah, that will be it. 
Excellent. Thanks so much, Marilyn and Mike. Another great company that is local and doing ethical production. And uh, we've, we've profiled a bunch of Montreal companies that really want to make a difference in a, in a holistic way. It's great to see. Yeah, we've got to uh, continue to promote locally and it'll it'll keep feeding off itself. And, you know, our goal always is going to be Montreal has been the hotbed for for startup and 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 new ideas and new generation. We got to keep them here. That's the big key at the end of the day is keeping them here. And, um, you know, that's not always an easy challenge, uh, given uh, anywhere from the economy to politics and everything else. Quebec will always be a bit of a challenge. But we as, as consumers, as well as business owners, need to make sure that we continue to support, promote and uh, keep the Quebec based companies in Quebec. Great job, Marilyn. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Next week, we'll be chatting with Etienne Lacroix from Vancillon, and they're making manufacturing automation accessible to more and more Quebec companies. A reminder, you can subscribe to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal as a podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite platform. And log on to the website, inspiringentrepreneursmtl.com, for hundreds of local entrepreneur profiles from the last 14, 15 years now, I guess. Mike, thanks, and see you back here next week. Talk.